We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 124 of the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Got a packed show for you guys. It is finally game week. South Carolina, North Carolina this upcoming weekend at Bank of America Stadium. I'll give my initial thoughts as college football is finally back. Also, what should the expectations be for USC football on a year-in and year-out basis? I'll give my thoughts. Also, go over the poll that I ran for you guys over the weekend on Twitter. But give my thoughts on what I think the expectations for South Carolina football as a program should be yearly. Also, your listener questions and a fantastic interview with former Gamecocks wide receiver Tim Frisbee, a.k.a. Pops, as we talk about his time in the U.S. Army playing football for South Carolina, Lou Holt, Steve Spurrier, the culture that Steve Spurrier built while he was there, 2019 Gamecocks, including the schedule, what are the expectations, what he's looking for, and much, much more. Before we get into all that, this is a podcast written to you by our friends over at Tanny Hills Group Therapy. Tanny Hills Group Therapy, the oldest bar in five points owned by legendary USC quarterback Steve Tannehill. They've got great specials for you guys, including Taco Tuesday, Wing Wednesday. I actually had the tacos there last Tuesday, and let me tell you something, they are phenomenal. They're perfect if you're local, if you're in town, and you want to just grab a bite to eat and have a drink, or maybe if you're in town for a game day this season, and you want to go out and have a fun night on the town, go have some fun. Tanny Hills Group Therapy is the way to go. Again, that's Tanny Hills Group Therapy located down in Five Points. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show Center. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Got a packed show. Like I mentioned, it is game week. South Carolina, North Carolina, this upcoming weekend. Obviously, we all got a little bit of a taste uh, of college football over the weekend. Florida and Miami playing in a game that was exciting, awful, terrible football. I felt like 10 sacks for Florida against Miami. But Florida, unfortunately, finds a way to pull it out. They beat the Canes 24-20. to But obviously, getting college football started, college football just being back, I know – a lot of you listening to this, similar to, similar to I, were sitting on the couch watching this game or watching that game thinking, thank God college football is finally back. I'll be honest with you guys, a little bit of a lighter show today. I will do the full UNC preview on Thursday, obviously give my thoughts on the game, keys to the game, predictions. We'll also be doing that all throughout the week with the Daily Crow stuff. But today, not so much on that. Again, saving that for Thursday's show. So the way shows will go during the season, uh, for example, starting next week, I'll have the Thursday show before the game will be the preview. The Tuesday or the Monday show the following week will be sort of the recap post-game reaction type deal. So today we're kind of in the middle of that here, Monday show here, where, like I said, we're kind of in the, in, in the middle, no game over the weekend. But uh, very, very excited, obviously. It's finally game weekend. You're listening to this. We are just five days, five days away from kickoff. I know for a lot of you, this, and including myself, this week is going to drag. This is one of the longest weeks of the year. Obviously, we've got college football coming up on Thursday as well. I know a lot of you will be, will be tuned into the Clemson-Georgia Tech game, pulling for the Jackets, as, as, as will I as well. Uh, but overall, again, a very, very exciting week. College football is finally back. Gamecock football specifically is finally back this upcoming weekend. Um, some news and notes to get to before I kind of go into the meat of the show. Um, if you haven't done so, please be sure to rate, subscribe, share, and download the Spurs Up show wherever you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, 
Google Play, Buzzsprout, please do me a favor, leave a five-star review or leave a review with your feedback. I truly do appreciate it. Again, it helps people find the show. It helps the show boost up the show on iTunes and different platforms so that Gamecock fans that are maybe unfamiliar with the Spurs Up show can find the podcast as well. Also, if you haven't been doing so, please tune into the Twitch streams that are happening. You'll probably see the links up and see the different posts on social media. Man, that Twitch stream has been – it has really taken a life of its own. South Carolina right now, as you guys probably saw, my power – I had some power issues on Thursday afternoon and, uh, you know, wasn't wasn't able to do the stream on Thursday afternoon. So, moved Thursday's stream to Friday, which was the Vanderbilt game. South Carolina lost 30-10 to to Vanderbilt. And if the score sounds brutal – I promise you, watching it was just as, if not more brutal than the actual score was. So, South Carolina in the Twitch stream, which, which I think people get confused. It is a simulation. I am not playing the game. If I was playing the game, it would be super boring because we would win every game 50 to nothing. Humble brag, I'm very good at NCAA football from playing all throughout college and just playing. I've just played it my whole life. So, South Carolina, though, right now, it's really interesting. Sits at six and three, four and three in the SEC. They've got three games left against. App State, Texas A&M, and Clemson. I know the Clemson one will probably want a lot of people to be tuned into for good reason. It should be a lot of fun. But the Twitch streams are very fun. And after the season simulation thing is done up or finishes up on Wednesday, I'm going to continue to do them. I'm not 100% sure how I'm going to do them, but I am going to continue to do them. So you guys stay tuned. Again, it's a lot of fun. Check it out. The Twitch streams, the Twitch season simulation, all good stuff. Um, so something, a topic I do want to dive into for the show because I thought about you know, this topic was talked about very heavily. I believe it was on Friday afternoon. And, uh, you know, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do like a video for it or talk about it on the podcast. I figured, you know what, why not? Let's talk about it on the podcast. And it was something that was brought up by uh, Mark Ryan in the Upstate. He works for ESPN Upstate. I feel like, I feel like all Gamecock fans at this point know who Mark Ryan is. But he basically posed a question um, or basically saying that Will Muschamp, he thought that he would be let go after the 2020 season, which obviously struck – I was very surprised because, Mark, I've been on his show a couple of times, and he actually told me he expects the Gamecocks to have a much better year this year than most expect, an eight-win season, top 15 finish overall, which, I mean, again, would be a massive success for a team with a schedule that has arguably the, the toughest schedule in the entire country. Um, this conversation sort of evolved into, you know – the expectations for South Carolina. Um, I think his co-host, it was, had the tweet basically saying, you know, what the expectations should be. South Carolina fans should be expecting to win championships or something along those lines, which made me want to pose the question to you all. What should the expectations be for South, the South Carolina football program on a year-in, year-out basis? Like, what should our expectations be of this program as a program? Now, I, I understand, I believe some people said they were confused with the, the poll on Twitter saying they thought it was for specifically this year, not every year, which, again, I don't understand how you could think that because the, the poll literally says year-in and year-out, which means year after year after year. What should the expectations be? And there were obviously – there was a lot of responses. I mean, the poll literally got over 2,000 votes um, with 44% of the vote, eight or nine wins. Here were the select here, – here were the – the options, by the way, the, the, the expectations year in, year out. It was bowl team, eight or nine wins, SEC champions, or national champions. What do you think should be expected of South Carolina football year in, year out? Eight or nine wins led the way with 44%. Bowl team was second, which shocked me, at 30%. SEC champions came in third at 16%, and the national champions at 11% in fourth. I'll give you guys my take because I, I – I see, I see the points that some of you guys have when you're saying, you know, you should always expect to win a championship. If you're not trying, you know, if you're not expecting to win championships, then why are you even playing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I get that mindset 110%. But when I'm talking about this question, I'm looking at South Carolina football right now. What should the expectations be and what level do I think that Will Muschamp can get this South Carolina football program to? What are the expectations? For me, I, I think it is very, very reasonable that South Carolina can be a program that wins and expects to win eight to nine games per year and once every three, maybe four years, catches lightning in a bottle and can truly compete for the SEC East crown and the SEC championship. I, I think that is more than a reasonably fair expectation because, again, like you guys are – you know, I, I just think until you get to that level, I don't think you can expect – you can't say that this program – we expect national championships or you're fired. South Carolina's number one in national championships. So, to me, you have to walk before you can run. 
Um, I don't think this is a program that should be settling for bowl appearances or six or seven wins. I think this is a much better program when you take a look at the facilities, when you take a look at the in-state talent. When you, if you have the right coaching staff there, they should be able to build and go out of state and get talent. Everything is there to win. Exactly what Steve Spurrier said when he first got this South Carolina job. Everything is there that you need to win and win big. And again, I, I think right now, I think a reasonable expectation for USC football on a year-in, year-out basis is to be an 8-9 win program, which, again, you have to factor in the history of South Carolina football when you talk about these expectations because South Carolina has won nine or more games seven times in its history. Seven. Seven times. So, no, and I, because here's the thing. I know a lot of people, again, are saying, well, if you're not playing for championships, why are you even playing? Like, that's a, that's a defeatist mentality. No, it is not. Because any South Carolina fan that tries to tell you they would not take a program that was a consistent 8-9 game winner, and let's say every two or three years, or even if it was four, but let's say every three years was had a team that could truly compete to win the SEC, that's a really, really good program. And I think to have the type of program that's like an Alabama, per se, or heck, even what Clemson is right now, you need to get to that level first. And I think South Carolina can get to that level. And I think Will Muschamp can get South Carolina to that level. Now, can Will Muschamp take South Carolina from being an 8-9 win program to a 10-11-12 win program trying to compete for the playoff every single year? I don't know. That's, that's left to be determined. But I do think Will Muschamp can be the type of coach that can get South Carolina on solid enough footing to be an 8-9 win program per year. And like I said, every two, three years or so, you have the, the stars sort of align. You have a lot of experience. You have depth. You have the quarterback things of that nature. I think South Carolina can be that program 110%. Again, I understand where a lot of you guys are coming from when you're saying that, you know, you want to be the best and shoot for winning championships every single year. And I agree with you to an extent. But where I don't agree is that you cannot – let's just start right now with Coach Muschamp. You cannot fire a guy like Will Muschamp if he goes out and wins eight games this year. You, you just – you cannot do it. You cannot do it. I think that, you know, again, my, my – uh, you know, Mark Ryan with ESPN Upstate was a guy that was very adamant about he doesn't feel like the expectations are high enough at South Carolina. And I would completely disagree. I would completely – I think the expectations at South Carolina are much higher than people are willing to give it credit for. I, I really do think they are because I have heard more people complain or more people say they will be upset about the Gamecocks winning less than seven or eight games then I've heard people say, well, the schedule's tough and a six and six years a good, a good year. You know, I, I – because, again, I, I think people – I think South Carolina fans almost – even the ones that are saying that are almost saying that to soften the blow for when we get into the season to where it doesn't hurt. You know, they're, they're saving themselves from getting their hopes up, if you will. Whereas, again, I, I think Gamecock fans really internally, if you ask them, have very have much higher expectations I think people will give them credit for. So I think the Gamecocks, again, I think expectations for this program, I think, right, you know, this can be a program without a shout of a doubt, in my opinion, an eight, nine, win a year program, which, heck, some years if the, if the conference is down is going to give you a chance to, um, to compete for the SEC East. I mean, really, a nine-win team, it, you, you could have that potential because if you – you know, depending on who your losses are to, things of that nature. But I think South Carolina can be an 8-9 win program, compete for the SEC East and the SEC title once every three years. I, I really do think that is the type of program that Will Muschamp and this really just this South Carolina program can be and become. Um, obviously, you've got to start winning some of these big games. I'm looking at the schedule right now. you got to get off the Kentucky hump. you got to beat a team like a Texas A&M, like a Florida maybe pull one of the big upsets against the big three you play. So I, I think the opportunities there, I think you have the potential to be that program. And I, I really think that's what South Carolina fans should expect. I don't think South Carolina fans should be happy with anything less than that. Because I think, again, South Carolina has everything at its disposal to be that type of program. And if a guy like Will Muschamp can't provide that type of program, it'll be time to look a different direction. Because that, that to me, again, at minimal, minimally is – what South Carolina needs to do and what they need to have, um, what type of program they need to have. Because, again, I, I don't think there's any excuse to not have that type of program at South Carolina because you have all these different things at your disposal that you can use to your advantage. So um, that's my take on it. Again, I appreciate everybody that voted in that poll. Um, over 2,000 votes, like I said. So I was very, very impressed with uh, – you know, all you guys that voted and took part in that. So I really do appreciate it. Um, all right, cool. So let's get in some listener questions. Again, like I talked about, guys, this is going to be the light show of the week. 
just because I'm waiting till Thursday to preview the North Carolina game. So today there's really not a whole lot to discuss. Um, but obviously things are going to get crazy, crazy, crazy ramped up as we get to Thursday for sure. Um, so let's get in these listener questions. A lot of good listener questions. Jonathan Weatherford, after watching Florida, if we come out strong against UNC, do you think we win versus Florida? I, I think that game looks extremely, extremely winnable. Um, you know, listen, I, I'm not going to sit here and say after that game, uh, you know, Saturday night that South Carolina, I'm guaranteeing a victory for Florida because teams do get better throughout the season. I mean, they, they just do get better. That's just a fact of things. But, man, Florida looked rough. Felipe Franks looked rough. He looked very, very rough. And I, I think Miami, it's a game – Miami certainly had every opportunity to win and just could not pull it out. And the Gators escaped with a win. I know we were all, you know, I know I was pulling for Miami really hard to win that game because I'm so, I'm so sick of all the Florida hype talk and just hearing, you know, hearing all that. I, I don't think, I think Florida is overrated. And I thought last night or Saturday night kind of confirmed that, but I think that's certainly a very winnable game. I think it's a game that South Carolina, you could argue maybe needs to win that game again, getting that, getting the Gators at home. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it, listen, it, it's a long ways off. I mean, the Gamecocks don't play Florida till November. A lot can change and will change by the time we get to that game. But that certainly looks like a very winnable game for South Carolina. Um, Hutton underscore Thomas 13. Stat line for Feaster and sleeper for impact on defense. So, Feaster's stat line, uh, I think I said this when South Carolina first got him. I think he can be a seven or 800-yard back um, with a guy that's maybe got – six or seven touchdowns. I think I don't think he'll, he's going to be a thousand-yard guy for South Carolina by any means because I do think Rico Dowdle will step up and actually play much better than we all expect. Um, but I think Tavian Feaster will be a guy that will be South Carolina's leading rusher. I think 600 to 800 yards, somewhere in there, maybe, maybe seven or eight touchdowns. I'm seeing like six or seven touchdowns. But he's going to be a guy that's going to have a huge impact. Sleeper for impact on defense. You know, I, I talked about R.J. Roderick as my sleeper, a guy that I don't think is getting, uh, you know, being talked about enough. Um, as far as another sleeper impact player, I'm going to go Ernest Jones. Ernest Jones at linebacker. I think Ernest Jones can be a really nice compliment to TJ Brunson and give South Carolina finally just some stability at the linebacker position. Uh, capped underscore way. Luke Doty plays against Tonka Hemingway September 27th. Are you going? You know what? Honestly, I did not know that. So I appreciate you letting me know and may have to make that trip, honestly, because I'm planning on uh, – Planning on attending some high school games. You know, thought about going to the Hammond game um, that was on ESPN at 2 o'clock. I know those guys got a, actually got kind of a butt whooping. So, But either way, thought about going to that one. But, no, we'll certainly be heading out to – I would really like to head out to some high school games. Um, check out some South Carolina commits, sign, whatever, signees, things of that nature. So, maybe so. Maybe. I'll let you guys know, though. Um, Cat underscore way again. Which school from the other Power 5 school – would you like to see us schedule for a home-and-home? Home? Okay, so what other Power 5 school would like to see us schedule for a home-and-home? Home? So if we do this, if we were to do that, I want to schedule a team like, say, a Texas, a Michigan, a Southern Cal. I'd like to see us schedule like some of the historic programs. Um, you know, the, the matchups with UNC and NC State and East Carolina, like they're all cool and everything, but – I'd like to see us kind of step out of our comfort zone a little bit. Like, let us get on the national stage and play, you know, Notre Dame I think would be another cool one. Um, you know, just kind of just kind of unique opponents. I mean, because it just gets old playing these North Carolina schools and we've been beating them like a drum every time we freaking play them. So, maybe it's time to step out and play somebody else. That's all I'm saying. So, no, I mean, as far as home and home, Power 5 schools, I think schools, again, like so I think renewing the Southern Cal rivalry would be really cool. Texas, Michigan, Oklahoma, whoever. I mean, I, I would like to just see kind of some big names in South Carolina be able to get on the national stage. Um, population underscore dude. Who steps up at tight end? Um, that's a great question. You know, I think if Nick Muse can get his eligibility, I think he's a guy that could do it. Um, if not him, man, I think it's going to have to be Kyle Markway. I think Kyle Markway is going to have to be the guy for Carolina at tight end because they're, they're thin otherwise at that position. Seabacks um, 020. So let's see. GT stays with 28. UNC's five players to watch for. Um, I don't know what GT is. I don't know why I don't know. Maybe I, should, maybe I should know that. But UNC's five players to watch for. I'll be a lot more in-depth about that on Thursday, I'll be honest with you. I very lightly looked at North Carolina at this point. We'll obviously be diving into them this week and definitely for Thursday's show. We'll have a full breakdown. So tune into Thursday's show um, for a more in-depth breakdown on North Carolina. Um, let's see here. 
get these other questions pulled up. Okay, here we go. Um, no, I don't have them pulled up yet. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Let's see. Judd Rupp, what position is our weakest link at the moment? Is it tight end? Um, you know, yeah, I mean, as far as the team is concerned, either tight end or linebacker. I, I think it's got to be one of those two. And I think tight end just from the standpoint, again, of just lack of depth. And, I mean, can you really help what happened with Keel Pollard and Evan Henson? So, I, you know, I think that's the weakest just due to lack of depth. I think linebacker is the most unproven. Um, Jay Jackson, 7'10", most improved Gamecock. The most improved Gamecock. Hmm. Hmm. That, that's a, that's, who's going to be the most improved? That's a great question. That, that's on, I haven't really thought about that one. You know, I think, uh, I think Rico Dowdle could be, believe it or not. I think Rico Dowdle could be a guy that we're looking at saying he's, he's one of the most improved Gamecocks. Um, I think defensively, um, defensively, I think Israel McQuamu's game will, is going to take a big step. I think Rick Sandage, J.J. Nivari, those guys' games is going to take a big step. Um, so, I don't know. Those are kind of just off the top of my head, but I'm not 100% sure outside of that. I might have to go just – might have to do a little bit more research in that because I think there are other guys, but those are the ones really off the top of my head that I think could be the most improved. Um, Weston Lever 2, do you sit in this section? So, if you guys didn't know the, the, uh, the question thing that I put up on Instagram, it was, the set, it was from – it was a video of the Tennessee game. So, I don't necessarily sit in that section. I actually buy all my tickets individual. So, I kind of sit all over the stadium. But I've sat in that section many times, yes. Um, Mr. Underscore Incredible 01, MVP for the game against UNC. Who is going to be the MVP? I will say – I'll say Jake Bentley. I, I'll say Jake Bentley. I think Jake Bentley will have a good game to open the season. I think the offense will have a good game. I think Jake Bentley tosses a couple touchdowns. I don't want to give away my prediction too early. But I think Jake Bentley does have a big game for South Carolina. He's your MVP. Um, last question here, Camden7. When do you think Dabo leaves Clemson and where does he go? I, you know, I think, I think Dabo, honestly, the only place I think he would go is Bama. And I, why would he leave Clemson? I mean, just honestly, why would he leave Clemson? Um, I, I think Dabo's probably a Clemson lifer. I mean, I, you know, I, you never know what can happen. I'd be just – I just can't imagine, you know, again, I, I – the only place I could see him leave for is Bama. That's the only place I could see him leave for. And I don't know. I think he's found a comfortable, you know, Look at the results in the field. I think he's, he's comfortable at Clemson. Um, and I, I just, I'd be really surprised to see him go. So, um, appreciate all the questions, guys. That's going to do it. Obviously, I'm going to throw up on Twitter and Instagram as well, obviously, and Facebook and everywhere. But I'm going to throw up. I really want to get the voicemail line going back up, especially leading to the Thursday show. And I know a lot of you guys are going to have questions regarding the game on Saturday against North Carolina, which, again, it's just crazy to be saying the game on Saturday because it's literally this week. Um, I'm going to throw up there the voicemail line. Obviously, you guys can leave questions wherever, but I'm going to throw up the voicemail line because I'd be really excited to hear kind of what you guys' thoughts are. If you have predictions on the game, would really love to hear how you're feeling going into this North Carolina game. And obviously, the voicemail line, I feel like, should be very, very popular after each South Carolina game. I'm going to keep throwing the voicemail line there. You can leave a voicemail up to three minutes. I, I really think it should be a popular place. Hopefully, because we're having such a good season, you guys all have positive things to say, not because – I think last year the Florida game was the first game that I had the voicemail number four. And as you can imagine, the voicemails were flooded with basically people wanting to jump off a ledge. So really excited about that. Also, what I forgot to mention at the beginning of the show, the Spurs Up Show tailgate, the official pregame tailgate for the Spurs Up Show for Gamecock fans. Um, not to get confused with what Charlotte Gamecock Club is doing. I just want to clarify that. They are having a tailgate at Ink and Ivy or a pregame festivities at Ink and Ivy. That is the official tailgate for the Charlotte Gamecock Club and the Gamecock Club. What I'm doing is something completely separate, so I want to clarify that in case people don't understand that. Um, so, no, Cocky will not be at my tailgate, so please don't come looking for him. Go to the Charlotte Gamecock Club tailgate if you want that. But the official tailgate for the Spurs Up show, official pregame in Charlotte before South Carolina, North Carolina. Uh, I've put up all the details on social media. Very, very excited about that. I threw up on social media as well that we, we will have alcoholic beverages. I'm just going to tell you right now, if you're listening to this podcast right now, if you're hearing my voice, BYOB. Because the crowd, I mean, listen, there will be alcoholic beverages there. But with the crowd that I'm expecting to come, they're not going to last forever. So please don't show up at the tailgate and be upset if the beer is gone. Because it's game day. You know, we're just going to be kind of first come, first serve. So just to be safe, probably, 
bring yourself a little sixer, bring yourself whatever you, you, you prefer to sip on. But I'm just letting you guys know there will be beverages there. How long they last, I'm out. I have no control of that. Um, so really excited about that. If you guys are in Charlotte for the game, come by the tailgate. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've got a great setup. Again, the actual specific address is on the, uh, on the flyer on social media. So please be sure to come by the tailgate. Check it out. Say what's up. Would love to meet some Gamecock fans and have a good time before we watch the boys take on UNC. All right, like I mentioned, got a fantastic interview. Tim Frisbee, a.k.a. Pops, played receiver for the Gamecocks from 2004 to 2005. Obviously served in the U.S. Army for 20 years um, a guy that played college football at the age 39, which is absolutely crazy. You guys know I had him back on the show or had him on the show back in December. Um, definitely wanted to bring him back on, bring him in the home studio as you're seeing me once again. One thing I do want to say also, I do apologize for the video issues that I'm sure you guys have been seeing. This is very much a trial and error type thing with the camera, with getting everything set up, with the live show at Tanning Hills, with just everything, kind of getting everything going. So the first – Maybe three, four shows is going to be kind of patching it together, a work in progress. Maybe video is not working right. I don't know. Either way, I do apologize, but I appreciate you guys being patient with me for being understanding. Um, technology is great until it isn't. So that, that's why some of the stuff you see is maybe not as crisp or as perfect as it's going to be. But again, as you guys know me, this thing is a process. There's levels of this, and uh, we're, we're, we're getting it done. So really excited about that. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Tim Pops Frisbee, excited for the interview. And it's all brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. SeatGeek, the best ticket buying app by far, the only ticket buying app I use and the only one I'd recommend. Guys, if you need your tickets to South Carolina, North Carolina, SeatGeek is the place to go. Download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP. You're going to save $10 off your first purchase. You're going to a Gamecocks ball game. Why not use a Gamecocks promo code and save yourself 10 bucks? Save yourself some money in the meantime. They, do, they actually do all the work for you. They rate the tickets based on a ticket rating system. So you know exactly the type of deal you're getting before you click the buy button. It's really that simple. You know whether you're getting a steal, whether you're getting ripped off. They really do all the work for you in the meantime. If you don't want to get South Carolina Gamecocks football tickets, if you want to go to any other sporting events for South Carolina, NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB, any professional sports, concerts, comedy club events, does not even have to be sports. Literally anything and everything you can buy your tickets to, they have got them there at SeatGeek. Again, they rate those tickets for you, like I mentioned. So you'd have that peace of mind before you click the buy button. You'll never overpay for tickets again. It's really that simple for you. They make the ticket buying process so much easier, so much easier than it used to be. So again, that's SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP, that's S-P-U-R-S-U-P, to save $10 off your first purchase. All right, enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks wide receiver, Tim Frisbee. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up Show is a man, a friend of the podcast, has been on before back in December, I believe it was. He played for the Gamecocks 2004 to 2005, was a 20-year U.S. Army veteran, goes better by the nickname Pops. I'm very pleased to welcome the show, Tim Frisbee. Tim, all right, man. appreciate you great taking to be the time, here, as always. It's as great always. to have you on once again. So let me ask you first, because uh, obviously we've got a lot to talk about. I want to kind of touch on some of the stuff we talked about in the last show and definitely dive into this 2019 season, seeing as we are in game week, finally. Right. It's finally here, but uh, but how you been? How's everything going? I know you're in the local area. How's yeah. uh, how's life these days? Everything's going good. Uh, you know, uh, work hard, working hard, work for the attorney general. Uh, so uh, obviously running around the state, uh, uh, but it's good, satisfying work. Uh, kind of uh, goes with my military career. I run the, the South Carolina Valor Program nice. uh, for veterans, nice. uh, which is all, all around the state. And, uh, you know, coming up next week, obviously we're in uh, game week. Finally. I'll be doing uh, <laughs> uh, my show. Uh, my post-game show on WVOC, so uh, everything's uh, working. Yeah, it's, going good. It's, it's, we were talking about earlier, it's just finally, it's finally here. Right. I also want to say thank you because, like we were talking about before, this is the first show from the home studio, the humble home studio, but the go. home studio nonetheless. I appreciate you helping me uh, helping me break it in. Obviously, the first of many, and uh, just appreciate you taking the time, man. So I, I want to talk about, it's funny, before you came over, I was actually watching some of your, like, the Today Show stuff, some of the stuff right, you did. Right, it right. just gave a lot more background on you. Um, so I want to ask you, cause I'm unsure how to pronounce this, but you served as an army ranger for 20 years and it was in the, the first Gulf war and then Provo was it? Was uh, that Kosovo. Kosovo. Kosovo okay. So yeah. just kind of, I mean, just, I know it's a lot to encompass cause it's 20 years literally of service, which we all appreciate, but just kind of talk right. about the decision, I guess you're a teenager, your decision to go into the U S army. I mean, what, what, what went into that decision? Right. Well, well, you know, in high school, I was a two sport athlete. I played basketball and football, uh, had a basketball scholarship offer coming out of school to go to Tennessee State. 
a bunch of other places uh, also. But uh, uh, that was one of the key ones because we had a, uh, a former coach that was involved with Tennessee State that recruited a lot of our players, mm-hmm. kind of a pipeline uh, to Tennessee State. But uh, at that point, I, I wasn't comfortable with leaving that far from home and I've never, mm-hmm. never been that. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to, my brother uh, had some family members that were military. I said, I'm going to do a three-year tour. And, uh, you know, I'm going to get, uh, you know, get some feeding up, footing under me. Mm-hmm. And then uh, by that time, it'll, I can make a decision. Well, you know, things went really well during mm-hmm. my first tour. And they offered me a, a chance to go to Europe after that. So, you know, I signed on for another three years. Next thing you know, <laughs> you're over the 10-year mark. Now you have right. to make a decision when you, whether you want to head towards retirement or not. But, uh, you know, so I made that decision and did the 20 years. But, uh, you know, all throughout, I played all Army sports, uh, which is the highest level of uh, sports you could play in the military. Mm-hmm. We play a college schedule, uh, preseason, wow. uh, a lot of teams. So I uh, kept myself uh, in shape and stuff all through. And I said, you know, when I get out, I always planned mm-hmm. on going back to school and uh, I was going to give it a, a, a shot. So, so were you like a stud athlete in the uh... – in, in the, the military, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Oh, yeah, you were yeah. always a standout guy. Yeah, I, I was like a standout that. player in the military, and uh, you know, it, it just worked out. Uh, my brother had gone to Penn State, and I, this was happened to be my first tour, uh, Fort mm. Jackson, South Carolina, when I was here. Nice, nice. So from '84 to '88, mm. so I became a great fan of the game cops. Right, and so I said, you know, it'd be an interesting place to go to school when I get out. But my decisions came down to Penn State, mm. where I'm from in Pennsylvania, mm. and uh, South Carolina just so happens I got reassigned here my last tour and everything kind of worked <laughs> out because I had an opportunity, a uh, 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 preferred walk-on opportunity with, mm-hmm. uh, from Coach Paterno at Penn State and an offer from Coach Holt. So it just worked out. I was here and everything worked out. So that's something I saw too when they were talking about, I didn't realize that you were in South Carolina, 84 to 88. So, I mean, you saw some of South Carolina's Absolutely. best. I mean, at that time it was the best team in school history, right? The 84. Yeah. Black Magic season, and you think of 87 with, I mean, South Carolina's literally doing the throwback unis this year with right, the, right. the 87 unis. I mean, talk about, uh, I mean, one, I guess, I know you're probably busy, but were you able to make it any games? But what did you like watching South Carolina at the time? Obviously, again, a bunch of legends with like guys like Todd Ellis, right, right. you know, those guys in the 80s. I, mean, what, I think what, during like that time it? period, I only saw one, you know, I was a private in the military. Right. I couldn't afford tickets and stuff. <clears throat> what I would do, and it's crazy because I, I would, take my I had a transistor radio mm-hmm. and I would go down to the old fairgrounds at the time where the grass they had the grass parking spaces and stuff right and I would sit out there <laughs> and listen to uh the games on the radio Bob Fulton right Fulton, Fulton was calling, while they right? were yeah. playing the games inside so I was right there you know live you can hear the crowd right, going crazy right, yeah, yeah. but I couldn't really afford to get in the game so and it's just crazy you know you know 20 years later I'm playing in there so mm-hmm. It's just, you know, just one of those things, you know. Yeah. I, Williams Bryce looked a little bit different when you got there, I think, Absolutely. versus, versus the, the mid 80s. So, one thing, too, I, I learned about you watching this that I didn't know is that you, I mean, because obviously your resume is impressive, what you did in the U.S. Army and then playing football at age 39 for South Carolina. But you also, and you could have more at this point, but at the time you had six kids. No, nope, man, I ended there. I, have, I still have six you kids. You stayed at yeah. six. Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. how you have to have a pretty amazing wife to have managed mm-hmm. that because I mean, well, that, that is a task in itself. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not married now. I'm not married anymore now, but, uh, at the time she, yeah, she, she was amazing. Uh, right. a mother, uh, but, uh, it was gr- great that they were kind of spaced apart. Mm. I, you know, my, I had my two older ones right. and then, uh, two more came along six, seven years later. And then the, the last set came <laughs> along about five years behind it. So it was kind of spaced out where, Things were in control. When I was at USC, I had two finishing up high school and two in grade school and then two, mm. uh, you know, just, you know, uh, you know, toddlers. So uh, things worked out uh, fine for me because I had the GI Bill going on and I was able to, mm. uh, t- uh, you know, that first year that was able to pay for everything. Uh, Holtz offered me a scholarship before he after the uh, for the second year. Right. So everything, you know, just worked out fine. No doubt. I, I you know, I. I like to, so I'm not, obviously I've never been in the military, but I like to equate what I think it would be like the lessons you learn is similar to what kind of sports as far as working with other people, overcoming adversity, you know, kind of battling, battling adversity, if you will. I mean, just kind of talk about when you, I guess when you got out, you finished your tour, the 20 years, you got to South Carolina, just not even as a football player, but overall as a person. I mean, what were the biggest things that you were able to look back from when you were an 18, 19 year old kid versus a 39 year old 
freshman in college. Right. I mean, what, what were you, when you look back, what were the things, the biggest things that stood out? Like this, it made me a better person in this way. And basically the, and the key part was knowing what I wanted to do, how I wanted to get there, mm -hmm. the planning phase, everything, you know, a freshman comes in there wide eyed. Right. They got all these things going on, all these distractions, mm -hmm. uh, you know, before you know it, you can ruin your GPA well, yeah, yeah, that no first doubt. year. So I, um, uh, was very organized. I knew exactly what I wanted to do, how I wanted to go about it. So that military planning and that everything that went along with military being structured uh, allowed me to keep everything uh, going. Right. Uh, so th you know, that was one key. One thing we've talked about a lot is like on social media, you and I back and forth. And uh -huh. I see you talk about a lot. Those like today's generation of kid. I mean, not right, even right. just athlete, but kid. And that, you know, the, I'm I'm on the tail end of the millennials because right, I was right. born in '90s, so I, I'm on the tail end of that. But millennials get a very bad rap, and mm -hmm. some of it is justifiable. Some of the stuff you see, but I mean, what what, what do you think your story specifically? I mean, again, because to be you know to do what you did and still chase your dream and you know be able to see that out the way you did. I mean, what do you think people like young kids who maybe listen to this, watching this, or just know, you know are familiar with your story? What do you think they could learn from you? And well, how to the, life? obviously the number one thing is to not give up on your dreams. That's number one. There's, if there's a will, there's a way to do it. Uh, obviously you have to have some, you know, right. athletic ability right, if you're right, talking course, about athletics, but no matter what you doing, whether you want to have a radio show, whether you want, whatever you do, uh, where there's a will to do it, there's a way to do it. If you really mm. want to do it, you really uh, uh, put the focus on doing that. They can do it and don't let anybody tell them they can't do it. And not only that, there's, there's different ways to get to it. Everybody thinks of, well, you know, I'm coming out of high school. I got to get a scholarship and this mm -hmm. is, you know, there's, there's other ways to do things. Right. You may, you have to research the school. Uh, if you want to get in that school, maybe you may not be able to get in that school right away, but you go to a, a community college, whatever, for two years and you transfer in or it really it's one year. If your grades are good enough, you can transfer in after one year, then you're there. You're right. You're, you know, you're still on the path to do it. What did you miss one year? but you're right where you want to be. So there's ways to do it if you're willing to make the sacrifice. For sure. So I want to talk about you get to South Carolina 2004. You, and your career is really interesting in the sense that there aren't, and I haven't even been able to talk to many of these guys, there aren't many guys that go through, like I think it's interesting the guys that go through coaching changes or culture right, right. changes or they see it happen. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So you get there in 2004, Lou Holtz, you know, Obviously, the last two, 2002, 2003 were both rough years, five uh -huh. win seasons after winning back to back Outback Bowls. You get there in 2004. I mean, what was when you got there? Obviously, I know you're just you're, you're happy to be having the opportunity to play college football. Right. But as far as the program, what did you feel like the the vibe around the program uh -huh. was with what holds? I mean, did you did you feel a change coming, or what was kind of the mm -hmm. mood around the program? That well, time? well, the vibe was that. Um, there was a lot of talent on that 2014 coach Holtz had done a great job recruiting. So the recruiting was getting much better. There was a lot of talent, but they still, there wasn't a belief in their self as far as being a top rated team. I remember, I didn't always tell the story, you know, walking in the locker room. I remember I, you know, came in for, uh, um, I started with fall, uh, winter workouts. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we come in the locker room and the guys had the street and Smith at the time and they're looking at it and they had projections of who's got, you know, projections already for next year, you know, the early, right, early right, projections. Right. Yeah. So the guys are sitting around, they're talking about who they think is going to win the national championship. I'm like, Hey, we're a division <laughs> one team, right? Our goal is to win a national championship. You know, why would you be talking? I mean, you would the expectations think the expectations, were just so off base. Yeah, the expectations weren't there quite there yet, but, uh, People don't realize how good, how much talent. That 2014, if you look at it, with, you know, that year we should have beat Georgia. Mm, we were up 16-0 yeah. at halftime. We lost on the Hail Mary to, to, to uh, Mississippi. Mm. I mean, that could have been a really great season. It was great as it was. You know, we still became bowl right. eligible after a couple of years not being bowl eligible but uh, and beat some good teams that right. year, uh, beat Alabama down in Tuscaloosa. So, I mean, the talent and stuff was definitely there. You saw mm. that. Uh, obviously coach Holtz's uh, wife was sick. He was in and out all through the season. So you knew something was going on there. And then towards the end of the season, you kind of knew there were a uh, change right. was coming. With so the, you you know. talk about the talent on that team, a guy you played with and is very prevalent. in the, like I said, the interview, I watched the game day interview, especially talking about your nickname is Troy Williamson. Yeah. Oh, um, Troy the guy, the guy that we've friend of the show guy I've had on just kind of talk about his game. Cause again, you being a wide receiver, mm -hmm. I mean, that's somebody you got to see and, maybe even tried to emulate like me because like you said the talent for him right. was I mean through yeah. the roof and Troy Troy great guy and like I said great friend of mine and all great teammate mm. 
Troy, Troy was a he was a little jaded. He was a mm. quiet guy because the media prior to that season, to, it was his junior year, had been so hard on him mm. that he basically kind of refused to talk to the media. Right. He wouldn't talk to the media. But the guy was a leader in the locker room, a leader on the field, just somebody you respected. I mean, he was the he was the leader of the receivers. So he kind of kind of ran everything as far as, you know, where we needed to be, uh, summer workouts, getting us out there to work out, uh, just always working on his game, uh, explaining stuff to you, routes, whatever it was. I mean, he was, uh, he, he was the leader of the team, uh, him, uh, Matt Thomas, uh, some great guys, Chris Clark, uh, mm-hmm. just was, you know, very good uh, leaders, uh, very good men. So, uh, you know, when you talk about Troy and stuff like that, that, that always right. comes to mind. When you look at a football team, I think it's interesting what you're saying because there was talent on that 04 team. There's also talent on that 05 team, but the, the results yeah. were vastly different. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some, you know, because I think the common fan just sees like, well, do you have talent or this guy stinks or he does, you know, right. doesn't, whatever. And they look at a team. I mean, does when you look at a team, let's just say the 2019 Gamecocks, for example, or just any right, football right. team in general, I mean, does attitude and culture and expectation – I mean, would you say it's as important, if not more, than having the actual talent to compete? Because, again, that 4 team, like you said, had the talent, but something was missing versus that 5 team that accomplished all these right. firsts. I mean, you go to Knoxville and win, you beat Florida. Mm-hmm. I mean, is, it, is that – how important would you say that the weight of that is, especially, I think, in college athletics? Well, yeah, it's the belief in yourself. When, right. you, have, when you get a team to buy in and they start believing in themselves, everything becomes easier. It doesn't become as big of a task. So when you're doing, when you're practicing, when, you know, when you're competing against each other mm. and the competition level starts getting better, uh, you have a belief in yourself that you can get it done. And uh, that's what started happening in 05 as Spurrier came in, just from the fact that him getting announced mm. and knowing the offense was going to change as a, from, you know, being a wide receiver from an offensive standpoint, you knew things were going to change drastically. So, you know, that just gives you confidence, builds that confidence. Right. So, like you said, 05, Spurrier gets there. I mean, right immediately after. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even want to ask you about the brawl because I feel like we've talked about that right, so right, right. much. But mm-hmm. the brawl happens. South Carolina turns on the bowl bid. Lou Holtz retires. Spurrier feels like when the next day is the head coach. I remember specifically one of the stories that he talks about a lot or people talk mm-hmm. about a lot is one of the first things he did when he got there was rip down all the beat Clemson stuff. Yeah. Like he, he, kind, thought, he, he, he thought there was too much focus on the Clemson. Yeah, he literally came in the locker room and looked around. And at that time, like I said, there was beat Clemson on everything from written on your uniforms and mm-hmm. like places on your uniforms to remind you and stuff like that in the locker room, the beat Clemson. So all that stuff came down because he, he emphasized that the SEC was the goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, it's going to be great to beat Clemson and it's going to be uh, great to compete with them, but the focus should be the SEC and some of these other key rivalries we have in the SEC, whether mm-hmm. it be Georgia and Florida. And, uh, you know, that was what the team needed to focus on. Right. And I think it's interesting for you because I want to get your take as far as – and I know with you probably the relationship with Spurrier was, you know, pretty good. I mean, you had, yeah. you had your first college catch in the Troy game, which mm-hmm. I want to talk about in just a second. But I saw a very interesting article from 2015, obviously, which was a just brutal year. Spurrier's last year. He leaves middle of the season. Mm-hmm. And I think it was – or actually it was a tweet from you I think it was after the Citadel game, maybe. Obviously, mm-hmm. we all remember that one. Yeah. But it was a tweet from you one, at one point in that season. You basically said, 2005, South Carolina, 7-5, and 2015. Look, so, basically, Spurrier left off South Carolina in a worse spot than he, picked him, than he, than he got mm-hmm. him in. I mean, what's I – I'm not even sure the relationship's the right word, but, I mean, mm-hmm. what are your – because, I mean, I, I think you have a very valid point. But, mm-hmm. I mean, what are your thoughts on Steve Spurrier just as a whole, the way it all ended? Because, I mean, again – he did a lot of great things, but right. like you're saying, I think Will Muschamp and his staff had to pay for it for maybe the first year or maybe even two years. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and, and it's kind of obvious, and a lot of people beat around the bush and don't right. like talking about it, but the fact was that the recruiting was not good the last right. two years and that uh, Coach Holtz left a lot of talent mm-hmm. in the cupboard when Spurrier took over, right. and that just, you know, being honest and objective, that wasn't the case as Spurrier mm-hmm. was exiting. So – you know, that tweet kind of, you know, said that. And right. it wasn't a shot at Twitter because we had a great – we have a great relationship, We, you know, uh, and we still do. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just – it is what it is. And I think he'd appreciate it because he was that type of guy too. Right. He says immediately what's on his mind. Right. And, and I think he's come out to kind of admit that. And I mean, then later lately. he'll – if he has something to apologize for, and this happened in practice and, and, and other things, he, he'd say what he needed to say when he needed mm-hmm. to say it. 
But then if he was wrong, he felt he was wrong afterwards, he may apologize or tell you, you know, I could have did something different here or right. I could have got you in here, whatever. But he'd come back and say it. He'd own up to it. So I think he'd, he'd appreciate, you know, and later on, like you said, now right. he's kind of getting back to that where he appreciates that, uh, yeah, that's yeah. kind of how it was. Yeah, he's, he's definitely, I think, kind of admitted it, I guess. I don't know right. if that's even the right word, but just right. kind of acknowledge it. Yeah, acknowledge it for it, sure. Right. So did you ever have like that funny Spurrier moment? Because I mean, I've had a lot of guys on the show that have played for Spurrier and everybody's got their own experience. But I mean, I just kind of, you know, Spurrier is just such a witty, you know, quick wit guy that I can just imagine when he found out, you know, we have a 40 year old wide receiver on the team. Like, mm -hmm. did, he, did he make any like subtle jokes or remarks? Or, I mean, he didn't make any jokes, but at first he didn't really know. Uh, he was kind of, you know, how some people say, well, you make an, uh, you'll make an exception or something. It was one right. funny thing because we were in the weight room in over the summer where he was transitioning in mm -hmm. and we were going through our summer workout. So we work really hard, but one of the keys and, and James Smith, the new strength mm -hmm. coach had just come in hardcore guy. That's a whole different story, <laughs> but, uh, that's a, that's for a whole nother podcast. <laughs> uh, but, uh, he was a hardcore guy. And if mm -hmm. you were late for anything or whatever you did, he, your penalty was, uh, uh, 250 floors on the Stairmaster. Oh, wow. Hey, you know. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The so, Stairmaster's brutal. Yeah, so one time, <laughs> so I got a penalty one day, whatever, and after practice, I was in on the Stairmaster, and Spurrier happened to be on the treadmill next to me, and I'm in the process of doing these 250 right. floors, <laughs> so I'm probably at 200 or whatever, and uh, Coach Smith is walking by, and Coach Spurrier says, uh, you know, that you might want to, that might be off or, you know, basically alluding to that you're, you might want to have him stop, you know, saying, <laughs> thinking, you know, maybe I'll right. keel over on there. And uh, Coach Smith oh, gives the man. kind of look, Coach Smith says, no, there, he says, there's no uh, uh, exceptions for anybody, yeah. you know, saying he basically, you know, without, you know, getting at right, him, but he says, right. basically, and I looked over at Coach, I said, no, I'm almost finished. I'm at 225 here, just about at 225. Yeah. And he kind of just looks over and smiles and stuff. And from that point <laughs> on, you know, he knew, you know, hey, there's, there's no exceptions here. You know, it's just, that's just how it is. That's you know? hysterical. So let's, let's talk about that Troy game. You have your, uh -huh. your lone catch in college, but we talked about kind of on the last show, just the significance of that for you again, mm -hmm. going through, you know, being in the U S army and then still, you know, like you talked about chasing dreams and right. having that kind of being the moment where the dream sort of comes to fruition, I guess you could call it, right. or, you know, register a catch in a college game. I feel like that was probably something, you checked right. off the box that that's something you wanted to do. I mean, I, the video, we all remember the video. Obviously, mm -hmm. you get the catch, get up, pump your fist, obviously. I mean, just talk about the rush of emotion, what you felt. How good did that feel? Yeah, absolutely. Because, and obviously, I played before that as mm -hmm. far as in other games. I played special teams, I, you know, right. so. But offensively, that was my opportunity. And I'm and the, the, good, the great thing about it is it's, there's a lot of pressure because you have to be, you know, people always tell you be ready for your opportunity. So, you know, when your opportunity comes, you know, hey, you got 80,000 people looking at you. You got to make this catch. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The play is called, you know. <laughs> Can't drop that one. And, you cannot drop it, that one. And the play, we call it, the play was called Blast Possible Auburn, which mm -hmm. is an option when the, when the quarterback gets to the line, he'll see if there's press coverage. And if there's press coverage, he can call that play off, you know, to a blast play, uh, basically mm -hmm. a dive play. So, Antonio Hefner was in the game at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, he comes to the line. The guy's playing press coverage. So he looks out at me. So I kind of give a signal, like point down the field. And for some reason, the cornerback sees that and kind of bails off a little because <laughs> he's figuring, you know, hey, I don't want to get, you know, right, I don't want right. to get beat down the field. Beat, right. so yeah, so he kind of bails off a little. So half checks to the play. The play is good. You know, we do the blast possible Auburn. I get the catch and, you know, and go with it. But uh, – yeah, obviously the you know the adrenaline and the rush of the moment. So who it, knew the play almost didn't even happen? It, it was exactly. very close to not happening. It, 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 very close to not. Whoever happening. the Troy DB is, wherever he is, thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> and and, and, it, and the good thing about it, like I said, I kind of gave the signal. Right. There's little things you can do mm -hmm. in a game. Right, right. That's one of them to kind of get the uh, the the corner to bail off you a little. Right. Is kind of show that well the play may go downfield. Right. right so right. he kind of gives that that false step back, and and that's when you got him. So. Were you like in your head, like like I was saying, were you in your head like balls coming to you? I'm sure it felt like it was like in slow motion. 
You're like, yeah. just just catch it. Just yeah, catch he's the got ball. Other, yeah, he's got other options. Yeah, but that, that's the <laughs> key like, there. Just catch the football. You'll yeah. never hear the end of it from Spurrier. Exactly. I, we, I mean, I've I've talked to, like I said, Mo Brown, Tory, other guys that played receiver for Spurrier, and they mm-hmm. that's the one no-no. Do not drop the football. Absolutely. Or he will absolutely chew you to death. Yeah, he loves it. He loves, <laughs> and we had a film session one day, and uh, I made a – I must have had seven, eight catches in practice, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and uh, across the middle. And – he always loves rewinding the film and then he's like he's like who is that yeah who's that and they're like that that's frisbee you know what i'm saying he's like you can catch everything that's thrown to you you know what i'm saying you can't you know he's like uh and then he always goes out you know he always get adds something else you know oh, protect the ball there you got to yeah. protect the ball there get down with it you know what i'm saying but uh you know he, you know he's just a student of the game yeah. who loves you know to do things the right way yeah. so l- let's talk about the 2019 game because right. what i really like about you pops is that you're a guy that's you're obviously very active on social media. I'd say right. probably one of the better Gamecock Twitter follows, obviously. But uh, you, you still follow the program very closely. Right. You do the post-game radio show like mm-hmm. you talk about. So it's fun to be able to talk current-day Gamecocks with you. Right. So this 2019 season, again, this is dropping Monday. We are in game week. Right. Finally, it's here. South Carolina takes on North Carolina this weekend in Charlotte. Overall, this 2019 season, because I think you, you've obviously seen the biggest narrative is the schedule, how hard right. the schedule is. You know, Will Muschamp's going into year four – for you, you know, we talked a lot about earlier about, you know, there are different components to having a really good team, talent, right. the culture being right, having the right guys who buy in. Right. We've heard that a lot. I feel like in the preseason of guys are, you know, really bought in and they, they should be by year four. But what are you looking for? Well, I mean, if you had to pinpoint it to maybe one or maybe two things, because there are a lot of people, you know, I, we, we talked about this, I think, even yesterday on social media a couple of days ago where I, I basically said that, you know, uh, Mark Ryan in the upstate, he has right, opinions right. on the expectations for South Carolina. And mm-hmm. I basically said, and I've been saying this all offseason, that it's a lot easier in March and April and May and June, whatever, the offseason, to say, well, the schedule's tough. So if we go six and six, it's, you know, it, we just had a tough schedule and it's a good year. And, I you know, I said basically that I promise you when after that last game against Clemson, December 1st comes around, nobody's going to be looking at a 6-6 six and six record and saying, well, the schedule, this, or this right, excuse. Right. Like, it's just not going to be a good year. So I'm, but, I mean, for you, when you take a look at this season as a whole, I mean, what are, what are the biggest things that you're looking for, you want to see from this football team? Well, you're looking for improvement on both sides of the ball as far as execution. How they execute is going to be key because, you know, for one of the things Spurrier always said, you know, the offense works – you need to be where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So it's all about the execution. If if you're where you're supposed to be, if you are running the routes like you're supposed to, if you're execute, if the linemen are doing their job, if the running backs are doing their job, it's all going to be about execution. And in in year four, knowing the system now, uh, that's what I'm looking for mm-hmm. to see how it, see that we're not struggling, that we right. start getting in third and shorts versus third and sevens and right. third and eights where they can pin their ears back and come. It's all about going to be about the execution and how you manage the game. Right. And that's what I'm looking for from both sides of the ball. Obviously on the defensive side, I'm looking for some more, obviously pressure. Mm-hmm. Pressure's always been my thing. A lot of people say, oh, well, the secondary was no good or such. You got to have those guys it's up front. It's got to come from the pressure. Yeah. That, takes the, that takes the pressure off of the secondary because they're able then – to close down on routes and stuff sooner without being mm-hmm. hung out there to dry. So if you get pressure on the ball, cause the quarterback start having to move or think faster, that's going to cause. It's like you probably too. watched the Florida Miami game last. I mean, mm-hmm. Florida's defense, you have 10 sacks in a game, which is absurd. I mean, right. but yeah, I, I agree with you that, you know, cause I actually did, uh, was taking a look at the defensive backs earlier today and only six interceptions a year ago for a unit that I think has a ton of talent, but right. It's like you're saying, when you're not able – when the quarterback gets back there and he's comfortable, able to step into his throws, it's going to be hard to create those right. turnovers. And you got to play a lot more zone when you right. don't have the pressure because you can't put these guys out there on an island for – you can if they're great, but st- even then, you can only stay out there for so long. Mm-hmm. You know, the offensive, the offensive player always has the advantage. He knows where you're, he's going, right. and you don't. And there's only so long that you can stay, you know, uh, attached to that guy. Right. And before it breaks down. So, Pops, you're a guy that played wide receiver at this level, mm-hmm. obviously the SEC level, and I want to talk to you about the wide receivers because South Carolina's got a really good crop of them with right. Brian Everett, Shai Smith, Ortre Smith, Josh Van. What do you – you know, losing Debo, I think, again, that's one of the, mm-hmm. the biggest storylines for this season is how do you replace a guy like Debo Samuel that was such a playmaker for you. But, you know, I'm kind of the belief that I really think top to bottom this receiving corps could be better than last year, even without Debo, just because of – how many guys you have that can contribute 
when you look at the receiving core, again, as someone that played the position, mm-hmm. what, what do you see from those guys? Well, what I see is that they should be able to do it by committee this year mm-hmm. versus having to rely on one guy mm-hmm. uh, in, the, in tight situations. So I think you're going to see the ball move around a lot more. You're going to see guys have various catches throughout the receiving core because they're going to use guys in different situations. And I think, obviously, maybe there won't – and maybe there will. Maybe Smith, Shai Smith, somebody like that, mm. will step out and say have the same type of Debo numbers. But I think you're going to see those numbers spread around a little more. Uh, but as long as it gets to the same conclusion where you're successful – Right. That's what's going to count. How do you feel about a guy like Jake Bentley? Obviously, Bentley is a guy who a lot of good, some bad, mm-hmm. has faced a lot of criticism. I mean, heck, I've been critical of Jake Bentley. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like at this point you're not a Gamecock fan if you haven't been critical of Jake Bentley at some point. But, you know, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, and it's just funny. And, I mean, it's a good thing because the expectations have been – are so much higher now. But I think of a guy like somebody you played with, Blake Mitchell. Like, uh-huh. I, I think – and I was always a guy who, you know, Blake Mitchell received like, – the quarterback position, you're just going to receive a lot of criticism. I remember, right. I remember when Connor Shaw was there and people were saying that Dylan Thompson should have been the starter, which that right, sounds right. so silly to say now. But that position, it just comes with – you know, it comes with that. That's the territory. But I think of a guy like you played with, like, Blake Mitchell, that it's weird how I – like, I look back on Blake Mitchell and say he was very underrated. He did a lot with – not he didn't have as much, but he did a lot. You know, he, he was a quarterback that accomplished a lot of firsts, like I said, winning in Knoxville. Right. and But – Jake Bentley doesn't get that benefit of the doubt. Like, he's not a guy, I think, that people look at and say he's been a lot better than people say. I mean, some people do, but people are just – and I think it's, again, because the expectations. Because, like, in 05, when you guys go 7-5, and five, and granted, you had some of those big wins, but that was a great year. I mean, mm-hmm. that, and, and I think of the – what was it, the 06 team that won the Liberty Bowl. Like, that was right. a great season mm-hmm. versus – I mean, South Carolina goes seven and five, and it, they could go seven and five this year, and you're going to mm-hmm. have people complaining about that it wasn't right. a, you know, just flat out wasn't a good season. So, yeah. I mean, how do you look at Jake Bentley? Because, like I said, it's almost weird to me how those two, and I mean, Jake Bentley's about to be a guy that owns every passing record right. at South Carolina. So, yeah, I mean, but he, he also had a lot higher expectations, just like you said, exactly coming I, in right. because of the prior teams, right? Because of the Spurrier teams. So those those expectations are yeah. were you know which is a blessing and a higher. curse too because exactly. you want to play at a program that has those expectations. I mean, you, right? You want to be a program that has those expectations. Uh-huh. But I think I just going into his senior season, you know, I, I've told people I think Bentley has the chance. I mean, he can really write his legacy this yeah. year. I mean, with all the opportunity, these big games, these you know, we already know about the big three. You know, uh, Clemson, Georgia, Bama, all you know, all these ranked opponents. Which after last night, Florida looks like a very winnable ranked right. game at home. I mean. I think this could be a year where Bentley, I mean, again, not just for the records, but writes his legacy as far as, you know, what he did his time at South yeah. Carolina. Well, he's got to clean up his inconsistencies. You know, everybody has, you know, little uh, inconsistencies in their game. Uh, he sells some passes sometimes, uh, right. short arms some passes. Sometimes. He's, if he can clean those up, uh, I think, you know, he could have a successful year depending on the O-line, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what type of protection he gets. He's not the, the, the mobilest quarterback in the world, but mm. he can get it done on his feet if he has to. So it's, it's uh, going to be a lot of those factors in there. But uh, I think the re- overall, like you said, the receiving core is better, so that makes him right. uh, a better quarterback as long as he can get the ball out uh, you know, with, in the protection and, and read his, uh, the defenses and stuff like that, which he's done a good job of mm. as far as reading the defense. I think a lot of it has been uh, you know, sometimes the O-line play is not where it's supposed to be. And yeah. he's either rushing something or uh, guessing on something. And he, he has to tighten up those inconsistencies. Right. And, and I think the addition of a guy like Tavian Feaster, too. I mean, just right. the running game yeah, being yeah. improved should – because, I mean, heck, I mean, I'm talking about Blake Mitchell. You think the 05, you guys had Mike Davis, who was right. a very dependable back right. you know, in his time there. I mean, wasn't maybe the best, but he was a dependable back, if nothing else. And I think this, this South Carolina offense, whether it's injuries, whether it's just not having the guy, they have not been able to figure out that position. I think a guy mm-hmm. like Feaster, we talked a little bit earlier off air, a guy like Feaster, either Feaster's going to come in and just take over the position, which I think a lot of people think, mm-hmm. or or this could be and or these things aren't mutually exclusive. He's going to make a guy like Rico Dowdle raise his game to a level right. that we haven't seen since his freshman year. Right, so. and, we, and we haven't had – and I, this is one of the things I always talk about on Twitter. Too. We hadn't had the – since Lattimore – the prototypical SEC back here right. at South Carolina, where you have this, you know, six foot, six foot one, mm-hmm. uh, 230 pound guy, you know, running between the tackles. We haven't had, we've had more kind of scat backs 
looking at what we've had since Lattimore, uh, and a lot of it's hadn't been done by committee. Mm -hmm. These guys get a lot of injuries because they're a little on the lighter side. So I think now with kind of a prototypical back, yeah. it feature a little bit bigger back, and some of these other guys, some of this uh, Harris, I think the freshman. Kevin Harris, yeah, the somebody, bowling ball type These guy, guys yeah. look like, you know, prototypical right. uh, SEC Guys backs. that when you need third and one, you can exactly. just kind of hand it and let them it. do their And, thing. you know, that's been a problem over the years, too. Short oh, yeah. yardage. Uh, <laughs> You know, oh man, yes. so. some of the baffling play calls we've had on fourth and short. I mean, I, I think it was maybe it was the 1075 guys. They were talking about the game last year against Virginia, the tone being set on fourth and one, you run play action. Right. And it's just like. And I've on, always like, been a proponent to go for those because no, I, like, I agree. But if it's you're just, in the SEC and you can't get one right. yard, then. I mean, that's my, my grandfather used to always say, we don't deserve to win if we can't get three. We just right. don't. We just probably don't deserve to win this game. So, and it's crazy how often true that comes mm -hmm. to fruition I feel like but uh so it, like I said we're in UNC week I asked you about what your thoughts on the season are this game specifically South mm -hmm. Carolina and North Carolina Gamecocks I believe are a seven or seven and a half point favorite depending on where you look which I don't know if you look at the Vegas line stuff like that mm -hmm. but it's always interesting for me to see but this game because it is an opener again we saw the sloppiness of Florida Miami we right. know teams can be very sloppy in openers but you know, and I've said it all offseason, just go into Charlotte, get a win, you're fine with it. And I say that, and I still say that South Carolina wins this game by a touchdown. They're 1-0. That's the goal. Be 1-0 after this right. week. But on the other side, I say, we really need to see something. I mean, South yeah. Carolina, you look so bad your last time out at the same stadium. Right. I feel like it's just important for South Carolina to go out there, not mess around. I mean, you know. Looking even objectively, South Carolina's the better team. Yeah. Every every position you look at, South Carolina's got the advantage. I mean, UNC right now, it sounds like they're going to be rolling out a true freshman quarterback. A lot of questions on the offensive line. A lot of unproven guys on defense. I mean, when you look at this game, I mean, again, mm -hmm. you want to get the win. But am I – I mean, how do you feel about what I'm saying? Because, again, yeah. I think you need to show something. You, you need to not just win, but – Right, when, when, I, when kind of impressive. Yeah, when I look at the game, I think the Gamecocks have a chance to put up a bunch of points on UNC. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to see that and it be executed like that. And I think the over-under is, what, 62 or something? Which is crazy to me. Which is crazy. And if it is that, it means that the defense has failed. Right, I agree. Because it means UNC oh, yeah. is going to be doing a bunch of scoring, which I that's where I, I, I would take the under all day on that because – I don't think that's going to – I don't think our, our defense will right. allow that many points. But I think our offense has a capability of being really good, and we need to see something. Right. Whether right. it's at full tilt or not, it's the first game, we don't know. But they should be able to score, and we need to see some points on the board, and I, I think they can do it. Yeah, Pops, that, that – I, I don't really gamble on sports anymore like that. I used to have some fun with it, but haven't done so in a couple of years. But that over under 62 or 63, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's – it is probably – I mean, it's – I could not believe that when I saw that number. I mean, like – because like you're saying, I mean, I, Vegas think – they really think it's going to be a 38 to 30 game? I mean, yeah, I don't that's see, crazy. I don't see where – I don't even see where that's I don't, coming from. Yeah, I mean, but. I mean, my prediction in the offseason, I think like in July, I had 27 to 10. Mm -hmm. I mean, I haven't even seen a prediction close to that number, that they're, they're over under. But, you know, they say when a, when a bet is too easy – Something could go wrong. Yeah, some, yeah. Vegas knows for, for whatever reason. Vegas knows, but I'm going to get you out of here. But last question: When you look at this season, what is a success for you? Is it a specific record? Is because like we're saying, you know, the thing, the mantra that kind of it doesn't annoy me necessarily, but I get tired of hearing it's like, well, this team could be a lot better, but the record be worse, right. or a lot. This team could be a lot better, but you know, X, Y, Z. I mean. It all do comes you, down do, to wins and losses. I mean, do you buy into that? Because I just feel like if the team's better, they're going to win more. I mean, it's right. bottom line. Right. And 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 I always said it, and we you talk people talk about it on Twitter, but like I said, it's going to come down to you. You got to win the games you're supposed to win. Mm -hmm. Those are the you know the UNCs, the uh, you know obviously the App State, the mm -hmm. you know the these type of games. Vandy, you have to, you Vandy, need to beat Kentucky. You, you, ha you, you have you cannot to lose to Kentucky. Right. You cannot lose to Kentucky. Yep. Uh, you probably need to take care of Missouri, mm -hmm. and then. Florida, as we see, they're probably beatable. beatable. They look very beatable now, to me. Now you're talking about the key games, obviously Alabama, Texas A&M. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you have um, Clemson. Right, Georgia. And Georgia. Right. If you can win one of those four, right. ha if somehow you get two of those four, but if you can win one of those four and take care of the rest of that slate, right. that would be a successful season. Yeah. I think I mean, you're a seven lot of people. And five, eight and four team at that point. Right, exactly. So right. that's – 
a successful season right. to me. You know, so um, you would say like record wise, you want to see seven and five or that's kind of yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. And I would agree because yeah. I, you know, and what I tell to call people, it a success, right? Least, yeah. And what I tell people is that you can still maintain the trajectory of the program as long as you make a bowl. That, that, that's right. what I say. Mm-hmm. But I do agree with you that a six and six year is just not going to be good enough because basically what it says to me, and it, you kind of could say it last year, which sounds bad, but you beat. You beat the teams you were probably supposed to beat, mm-hmm. but you beat nobody really good. Right. You just didn't – no quali- you didn't really yeah. have any quality wins. I mean, South Carolina's best win a year ago was the Missouri game, which was yeah. a great win, but your backup quarterback was playing in a, right. in a monsoon game, and that's right. your best win. I mean, yeah, and it also is going to mean you lost to some teams that are probably unacceptable for you maybe to lose. I mean, to, yeah, 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 I agree with you, the Kentucky. That that's just yeah. – I mean, that's a foregone conclusion. If, I mean, that game is – I'm looking right now, week five. I mean – I said this last year, too, so I don't even want to say it again. But if you lose that one, man, the season just takes a whole different – Yeah, it does. It's going to sour a lot. I mean, it just takes a – I mean, it it takes a completely different outlook on the entire season. So, Pops, appreciate it, man. Pleasure again. Pleasure as always. So, Uh appreciate Tim Frisbee tuning in. I'm Chris Phillips as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in. And we will catch you next time on another episode of The Spirit. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.